Welcome to Murder at Land Between the Lakes, a podcast about the unsolved murders of teenage sisters Carla Atkins and Vicki Stout. A 40-year-old cold case that took place in Dover, Tennessee. This is the next chapter, a season of justice, and we are your hosts, Amelia Courtney and Lainey Sullivan. So welcome back to Murder at Land Between the Lakes. Amelia and I are excited to bring this next episode to you guys. Um, you've probably noticed we've had a few weeks off as you know, we're waiting for some more information to be shared about this case um, of Carla and Vicki. But in the meantime, we have a special guest today to share some information with you about what General Ray Crouch and his TBI team have been up to. So they're working hard and Burton Staggs here today um, is going to share a little bit about what is going on with the case that they're currently working with. Yeah, thanks for joining us, everyone. We know we may have been a little quiet. Doesn't mean we're not working hard. And just as Lainey just said, doesn't mean uh, the TBI and General Crouch aren't working hard. You know, um, the the system's been shut down, as we know, for a whole year. So it's a whole backlog of cases that have been on hold. And so you've all heard, I know, especially in the Tennessee area of the baby Joe Clyde Daniels case. So this case has been hot in the news. And just the other day, um, it was in court. It was live on TV and you could stream it or watch it on, I think, Channel 2. And it was, I, I found it fascinating. I could not turn away from listening and watching it live. And you could see General Crouch, um, um, you know, live on TV it was um, really amazing to watch and like listen to what was happening. You could see the live video. You could like listen to all the tapes of the father and like his, you know, his confession and like what was happening. So we brought Burton Staggs on because he's been following this case. Um, he's from the Tennessee River Valley News and he has a podcast as well called The Staggering Truth. And he came on to tell us he was there in the courtroom. So he came on to tell us what it was like. And so um, he took some time with us today to just tell us what it was like. So um, you get to listen in. But don't think just because we're quiet, things aren't still happening in the background with Carla and Vicky. There is still a lot going on. Uh, we are still getting phone calls as well as tips are coming in to the TBI and coming to us. Uh, so don't think just because things are quiet, things aren't working. So if you guys are interested, you can tune in to the Baby Joe case tomorrow. It should be up and running again tomorrow on Channel 2, right, Amelia? Yeah, and you can stream it live as well. Um, this is barring any kind of unforeseen situations or continuances, but it's on the docket for tomorrow. And if you have a chance, you can listen in and hear um, the court action live. We have a very special guest with us today. We have Burton Staggs, um, the news director of the Tennessee River Valley News and the host of the Staggering Truth podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Burton. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So thanks for coming on. And we wanted to see if you would come on and talk to us a little bit about the Baby Joe case. Um, we thought you could tell us a little bit about what happened 
Um, from the beginning, if you don't mind, uh, we know you did a great episode on that on your podcast, The Staggering Truth. But if you could just give us a little bit about what happened um, that terrible day, you know, three years ago and in 2018 in April. Can you start from the beginning? Just give us a little bit about what happened. Sure. Um, I, I believe it was April 4th. As you said, it was, it was three years ago yesterday. And the about 5.30 in the morning, the Dixon County 911 received a phone call that a five-year-old non-verbal autistic little boy was missing. Um, as with most cases, uh, police officers responded, uh, a search began. Um, a few hours later, he was still missing. Um, 24 hours into it, he was still missing and the search effort became massive. Uh, it were, there were literally hundreds, if not thousands of people, uh, law enforcement from the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation to the Tennessee Highway Patrol, local sheriffs, uh, it, it was something to see. It was it was the lar- the second largest search effort I've ever been involved in. The Holly Bobo um, search effort was the only thing I ever saw that was larger. Um, Thirty six hours in, give or take, we started to notice that, that there was something different about this. Um, the way law enforcement was looking at it, and the way they had mobilized things. Um, what I noticed on the the second day out was that they had moved in countless numbers of highway patrol Mm -hmm. which is kind of unusual for a a missing persons case especially when you know that supposedly it's a five-year-old little boy and it's it's that he had um, escaped his home and i use the word escape because that's the word that the parents used and uh, just a short time after that the following morning we learned that the father joseph daniels had confessed to murdering joe clyde daniels who is now known as baby joe um he he um took law enforcement all over the county showed them where he dropped the body and uh, he's not been found 48 hours later the child's mother, Crystal Daniels, was arrested and charged with aggravated child abuse, if not mistaken. Um, here we are three years later. Um, tomorrow, which will be Tuesday the 6th, I believe, we will be back in court for a motions hearing. The search has continued. Um, COVID has pushed this thing three years into the future. And, uh, well, that's that's kind of where we are now, ladies. Right. Yeah. And so I, um, I, we've been following this case very closely as well. And like you said, it was a massive surge. And even from here in New Jersey, I mean, this was, you know, became a national case as well. And like you said, it was a huge surge and you could see they were looking in different places. He took them everywhere. He took them, um, looking into, um, I think a yard at one point and to a pond at one point and, and, and what do you believe was happening? Do you think he was just sending them on a wild goose chase? Or what do you think was happening at that point? You know, I, I've wondered that. And I spoke with a couple district attorneys. And they've kind of told me that they, they think there's a few scenarios. Um, one, that he did something so gruesome or so grotesque that, that he doesn't want them to find the body. Another scenario might be that he was um, 
Hagelin's work pleaded in exchange for the body. And uh, the third thing would be that he really doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, I think the only one of those that's been kind of a, uh, turned out that we're not going to use is two, a plea deal, because there has been no plea deals offered in this case, according to his defense attorney. So we're either looking at he did something really terrible or he really doesn't know. Yeah. You know, I listened to, um, and I encourage everyone to do the same. I listened to, I was streaming it the other day during the, the hearing the other day, and he was saying that during the tapes. They played the tapes, and he said that, I don't want to see him, I don't want to see him. So it seems like you, that might be one of the reasons why, is that um, maybe he himself knows that it's such an awful sight that maybe he doesn't want anyone to find him, and he doesn't want to see him himself. Maybe that is one of them. It's 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 a definitely a strong possibility, and I think uh, your listeners know, and I'm sure they follow true crimes things. You know, if, if if authorities were to find him and and he's cut, you know, dismembered or lots of different things, that then General Crouch could actually move this to a a, a death penalty case mm-hmm. um, because it hasn't been decided, and it, it could still happen. Under Tennessee law, he just has to notify them 30 days prior to trial. Okay. Oh, that's very interesting. And it, it was so. It was two days after this search. When you were talking about this search, I mean, like the, the search was massive. I mean, there were there were dogs looking. There were divers looking. There was an air search, a water search. People were searching from all over. And so it was two days after. Um, the 911 call when General Ray Crouch, you know, requested that this case is now a, a criminal case. This is no longer just a missing person. So it would be Ray Crouch, you said, that at that point, at what point he could declare this a death penalty case? Is that what you did, would you say? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, under Tennessee law, 30 days prior to the trial, he must give notice. Okay. And the trial date is June 1. We learned that on, on last week. Okay. So he just he still has time to to make it a death penalty case okay and they are trying um crystal and uh joe clyde and joe daniel separately correct yes we learned uh, on thursday that they will they have severed the trial by or severed severed the case by agreement between the defense and the prosecution the that didn't shock me um the thing that did shock me is they're going to try Joseph, the father first, we all thought that they would try Crystal first and try to use her conviction as as either leverage to get her to testify in sentencing or, um, you know, have something more to go. But some reason, the uh, DA chose to go with Joseph first. Okay. Do you have any, any insight into why he would do that? No, uh, it, it's 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 still kind of a still kind of a um, it's still kind of a mystery to me. I have a call into uh, General Crouch's office, but they haven't returned it. But it was Easter weekend, and uh, so I, I expect to possibly talk to him tomorrow about it. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know what? I have a question. I want to go back to you and talk to you about when the originally they thought that the body was moved that they thought um mr daniels took uh baby joe in the trunk of his car and moved it and then they realized that the car never left so why 
is there not more of a search of a, around the house? Like, why do you think they're not, they haven't looked more, like, in the, like, right in the house? Well, um, you know, one of the things that, that I think the defense is going to use to their advantage is some months ago, the TBI asked for a search warrant of the house and the property, and in that affidavit for that search, they said, as what you said, that they now believe the vehicle never left the home. So they dug up the yard, they dug up the backyard, they, they, they moved trees, they, they did a, a very intensive search of the property and okay. uh, came up with nothing. So they did, so, they have searched all of that. Yes, that, yes, they, uh, um, it seems COVID time has messed everything up, but it, it seems like it was about seven or eight months ago that we were back in Dixon. Um, actually, it's a little city in Dixon County called Tennessee City, but where this is located. But we were back there watching them uh, dig and bring in bulldozers and, and uh, different kind of uh, earth-moving apparatuses. And uh, they, they searched with cadaver dogs, did, mm-hmm. did all kinds of things, and, and came up with that. I think I do remember seeing all that, actually. How in the world would he could they have moved him if the car didn't move? You know, um, here's one of the, 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 the shockers. If, if There was not a lot of bombshells in, in um, Thursday's uh, motion hearings. You know, usually in the motions hearings is when you kind of find some things that you can uh, look at and go, okay, I see, I see strategy coming here or things you didn't know about the case. But one of the things that had happened early on is the following morning after the report of the disappearance uh, a man by the name of daniel mccormick Mm -hmm. came to the scene and said basically i saw a child on the side of the road about 1 a.m and he was wearing uh dark pajamas that had a seemed to have a skeletal outline okay so that gives us a that kind of gave us a timeline to go on okay if we know that he got off the bus at 345 his aunt says she put him to bed at at 7.30, quarter to 8, Daniel McCormick says he sees him alive at 1, and the call comes in at 5.30. We can kind of narrow that down from 1 a.m. to 5.30. But this they, they've thrown a big monkey wrench in this thing now because Thursday um, the prosecution said, and they presented the statement from Daniel McCormick, he never says it's a child. He says, I saw someone that looked like a teenager or something, and he was, it was down here, and it was about 400 yards from the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did that with a split screen of Baby Joe and the father, Joseph. They also showed, uh, they showed the, the judge a, um, uh, a hoodie with an alien, I think, wearing a Santa Claus hat, if, mm-hmm. if, I, if I could make it out correctly. And it leads you to believe that now the prosecution is going to say, and this answers your question, by the way, that the prosecution is going to say at about 1 a.m., Joseph was already on foot some four to 500 yards from the house. My thought is, is the prosecution is going to say that he carried him off on foot. And that answers your question. And I, I think that's where we're going now. Okay. Okay. 
what did you get? Oh, uh, this is one of the questions I wanted to ask before I even moved on from that. And what do you think about the brother Alex? Will he testify? I can tell you this. Uh, um, I want to be really careful because he is a juvenile. But um, we were told um, the way these, I'm sure your listeners know, but the way these trials are usually conducted, one of the media outlets, local media outlets, will be chosen to be the pool. They will have a, a camera inside the courtroom, and everybody else feeds off that camera. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it's WKRN, which is Channel 2 in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And they were told that Alex Bay testify and to point the camera away from him. Right. So that's how we have a clue, a strong clue, that um, that he is expected to testify. Also, for the first time, we actually saw Crystal's, Crystal Daniels' brother and I assume his wife in the courtroom, and uh, they have physical custody of the um, children at this point. So that, that leads us to believe that Alex is going to testify. What was your overall feeling of being in the courtroom, of being there? Uh, at this point, um, trying to learn a few new things, um, be, being blessed to be close, so close to the case for so long before the gag order came into effect, um, I, I knew 99% of what was going to be presented, but it was, uh, it was a little different. Um, the one thing that I had not heard was a very tearful Joseph Daniels at what you talked about, crying, mm-hmm. saying, I don't want to see him. Um, it was a very, seemed to be a very remorseful cry mm-hmm. um, when he was trying to help them locate the body. I think that, that was the feeling that I got more than anything else from, from that day's hearing except just where this trial is going to go. As the defense is going to argue that the, con- the confession is bogus, it's basically coerced, and they're trying, and, and that's what the point of the motion hearing is, and it will continue tomorrow, is to get the confession suppressed. And But I did also walk away thinking, wow, they don't have any physical evidence. They have very, very little, if any, physical evidence, and this is going to come down to what that jury believes about that confession, if they're allowed to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was blown away by listening to all. So you had never heard those tapes. I was blown away by listening to all those tapes. That was the only thing that they did that I haven't heard. Mm-hmm. I, I've listened to ten hours with the sheriff. I've I've, I've heard. Um, I've heard all the others. I, that was one I had not heard. I'd seen transcripts of it, but transcripts didn't do it justice. Right. Do you think it'll stand, or do you not want to say? The, 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 the confession. confession. Under Tennessee law, it's going to be hard for it not to. Um, it, it, it has to be coerced, and coercion, a lot of people think that means beaten with a rubber hose or something like that. But um, the defense is going to argue that his mental state and his uh, his needing to be medicated and other things coerce that. And um, what your viewers will see as they watch this and is that the first witness that's going to be called tomorrow is Chef Jeff Bledsoe, former Chef Jeff Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. And um, 
he's we're at the point right now in the hearing where he is talking to Joseph Daniels in his cell. And that's this 10 hour plus recording that they've put together for the judge to listen to. And what Sheriff Bledsoe is doing is he's talking to him about um, basically doing the right thing. Um, the, the Christian aspect of it, you know, let's give him a Christian burial and God will forgive you. Um, just, just tell the truth and let's get him home. So the defense is going to argue that that's coercion in itself. So that's where we're going. I, I'm not sure. Under Tennessee law, I think the judge will let it stand. So. Mm-hmm. And how do you, what is your take on General Ray Crouch? How do you think he's performing so far? This is one of his first cases back in a live court and since COVID began. Uh, matter of fact, this is the first live case yeah. in Tennessee. It, oh, in Tennessee <laughs> yeah. in general. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the de- uh, Thursday was the first day the Supreme Court allowed us to be back in, in courtrooms. So it, it, that, you asked me how I feel about court uh, or the case, it was great to be back in the courtroom. Right. I had missed it. But uh, General Crouch is very aggressive. He, he's extremely aggressive in this case and others. And, and your, your listeners uh, are, they're listening mostly to, to your other case, um, Carla and her sister. And um, this, I've, I've dealt with Ray Crouch now on three individual cases. The Joseph Daniels case, or Baby Joe case as it's known, Sergeant Daniel Baker, and another case that arose from Daniel Baker. And from what I've seen out of Ray Crouch, he is extremely confident and he's extremely aggressive. So um, I think he's performing really well. Yeah, it was impressive to watch him, uh, be able to watch him, you know, in the courtroom in this case. I thought he did a great job as well. And and actually, uh, Zach Burkhart is involved in this case as well, and he's the agent involved in Carlin and Vicky's case as well. So it'll be uh, really good for our listeners and viewers to be able to watch the two of them in this case. So. A- absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's, um, as you and I have discussed before, um, Carla and Vicky's case is, is so different than a modern case for, for um, the TBI and the, the, the district attorneys of today. They have so much more technology at their hands and evidence um, preservation and witnesses and, and things of that matter than they did when Carla and Vicky's case took place or some of the cases I've worked. So it, it's... I think it's always important to remind our viewers, mine and probably yours too, is you can't put 2021's vision on a on a case that was even in 2011 or or, or further back. The technology just didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really good point. That not only this, did the technology not exist, but to then get information and try to do some of the things that you could easily do now and in a second it could take a much longer time to get that information just because of the way things were documented and the way things actually were processed back then oh absolutely if you can, if, if you can even access it at all right it, it, right because there was no interoperability between the counties and the state and and all those things things just didn't exist and and i i I was heavily involved in Tennessee's most famous case, the Holly Bobo murder. And, and that's something we always try to tell people is don't try to judge 
what the district attorney and the TBI and locals did in 2011 by 2021. Because, for example, when Holly disappeared, they went to use the cell phone towers and do those things, and, and they were still not 5G, not 3G, not 2G, but whatever was before G. <laughs> so so all they had, and they couldn't really triangulate back then. They had pings, but they knew general directions. They knew in areas, but today they could have triangulated those and, and moved and, and tried to figure within feet. Mm-hmm. And, and in this case, it's miles. So the, the technology, technological changes, but what you, what you said is exactly right. I call it the interoperability between different agencies and to share information or to be able to look at a suspect list or, or whatever, or, or process data. It, it's just, we don't live in the same times. No. And, and I think now the best we can do now with like a 40 year old cold case is crowdsourcing and that's what I think we try to do is pull whatever resources we can together so I think that's you know what we can do is is just pull the resources we can and like you said you can't count on technology on a 40 year old cold case all the time no and crowdsourcing is becoming so important even even to um police departments and mm-hmm. what you do and what I do and everything and, and it's it's becoming uh, just just the way to do things and, and I'm those guys back then um stepping a little off the end of the case we're talking about I've been working on a a 40 year old murder case in Lawrence County that's unsolved and I I've sat with the district attorney looked at the files done everything even with a confession it would be hard to convict because the detectives are deceased um the a lot of the witnesses are deceased it it's just things are gone uh-huh. and and it, it, it's really hard but it's not impossible mm-hmm. it's just you know connecting the dots to a to a case and hopefully getting uh, some justice for those victims and the families yeah exactly and we're really you know we're really going to stay close on this uh, baby joe case and we think we're doing you're doing a great job and uh, we're hoping all of our listeners will tune in and, and watch as well. And um, we'd like to have you back on as well. And we'd love to have you come on and talk about the Holly Bobo case at some point as well, if you'd like to do that. Um, any, anytime. That uh, that case is uh, actually, this weekend is the 10-year anniversary. That is and, hard to uh, believe. That's that's staggering. It, it is staggering. And uh, this weekend is, uh, it, there's some, uh, I think we've all we've all gotten really close, the family, all of us. And uh, we've kind of decided that this year uh, there's going to be nothing. There, there's no. It's uh, let the family rest, let let them remember her, uh, all those things, and then uh, maybe in, in a couple years really sit back and look at the whole thing again. And uh, if if I can, um, I believe it's on May the 10th. I have a Fox News um, report on that Bobo, on the Bobo case. It features myself. Decatur County Sheriff Keith Bird mm-hmm. and um, a TBI agent uh, Booth, who um, really is the best agent in the state of Tennessee, if you ask me. But uh, the TBI gave uh, permission for Booth to talk about this case with us three. So look forward to, to that area. Absolutely. And we'll put, we can put something up too and make sure everybody listens in. Um, but 
thanks again, Burton. We really appreciate you coming on, and we'll have everybody tune in. And we um, we'd love to have you. Like I said, we'd love to have you on again, and have everybody. We'll put your link on for the staggering truth, and have everybody tune in to the episode you did on the baby Joe Clyde Daniels case as well. Sure, sure. Um, and could I, before we close, let me kind of lay some groundwork. Um, you have a massive following on your case, and something I think that probably needs to be pointed out is that Sheriff Bledsoe, Ray Crouch, and Burkhart, and all these investigators, when they started the Baby Joe case, it was, as you said, massive. A few weeks later, the first officer that was, or maybe he was the second officer, that was on the scene was brutally assassinated on video. Um, so Ray Crouch is not only having to do the Baby Joe case, which is one of the most famous in the country now, but also dealing with prosecuting and trying to get the death sentence for a for a man who gunned down one of his officers on video and uh, just tried to tried to burn the officer and even tried to call into 911 and pretend to be the officer. So Crouch is really, really going to be busy, extremely busy over the next uh, six months to a year. But he is working so hard on these cases. And I'm an outsider to his district, so I can actually see Are you re- you representing Sheriff Baker? Excuse me? Are you referencing uh, Baker? Yes. The Baker case? Yes, Sheriff Daniel Baker. Yes, absolutely. So, and the, the point of that was just how how hard this uh this da his adas and law enforcement in dixon county are working on these two just prolific cases yeah they they, they work extremely hard and, and especially during this time and the the backlog that it that they've all created during uh-huh. covid it's it's been unbelievable so uh-huh. and and they still have i mean and they still are focused on on working the carlin dickey case too which is phenomenal and amazing Sure, um, and 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 something I've noticed about Crouch's district is, over the last three years is how large the population has grown. So there's a new case added almost every day. Right, and it's amazing. It's amazing the growth in in that judicial district. Yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah, like you just said, we'll take time to thank all of the officers and uh, General Crouch for all their hard work. Thank you for listening to Murder at Land Between the Lakes. Music by Indy44. Produced by Discrepancy Podcast. Hosted and edited by Lainey Sullivan and Amelia Courtney.